Hey guys, welcome Hi. to another episode of Conversations with Cat and Tully. In this podcast, we dive into conscious relationship, journeying through parenthood, and all things lifestyle creation. So join us in creating your own new normal as we share our stories and talk with some incredible leaders in their field. Thanks for being here, guys. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, we're back. Hey, guys. Awesome. So um, today we're going to be diving into a bit of our pregnancy journey. So from when we found out all the way through to, um, yeah, the day that the, the business end of the, of the <laughs> spectrum. So, um, yeah, today it's probably going to be me, more me asking you questions about your journey and, and I'll share a little bit, but I feel like the pregnancy journey is more significant for was was more significant for you um in terms of the amount of changes you had to navigate and all of that so um i think a good place to start though would be to just talk a little bit about pregnancy as a rite of passage Mm. i mean i suppose the birth experience birth pregnancy postpartum it's all a bit of a rite of passage yeah um but just speaking into that a little bit and how we um by treating it accordingly we're able to navigate it in in a really joyful, expansive, mm-hmm. um, fun for the most part way. Yeah, we're able to give it the I guess respect it deserved. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, especially treating it as a rite of passage. So, would you be able to kind of explain, I guess, for anyone who doesn't know what a rite of passage is, what that looks like, and what the kind of purpose of it is? Yeah, sure. And uh, most people have probably heard of the term rite of passage or initiation, um, and and they are different. Um, but my understanding of what entails a rite of passage comes from the Rites of Passage Institute with Dr. Arne Rubenstein. And he studied a lot of different bodies of work from all around the world um, to really collate what goes into a rite of passage. So a rite of passage is a cross-cultural phenomena that is there to mark the transition from one point in life to another point in life. So birth is a rite of passage, sort of boy to man, girl to woman. These are rites of passages. Marriage is a rites of passage. Death is a rites of passage. Um, and we're all going through these rites of passage, like yeah. leavers, schoolies is a rites of passage. It's like just because um, we're not intentional about it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's yeah. just probably not happening effectively. <laughs> That's actually a really good um, discerning point because you're right like these rites of passages are happening inevitably within our lifetimes but if we're not doing them with reverence or with intention Intention, then they can actually initiate us into i guess yeah different feelings regarding each aspect of life right yeah for sure so just really briefly like the three main parts of a rite of passage is separation from community then there's the transformation and then there's the return to the community. As a changed person. Yeah. And being and, and acknowledged for that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that is the – and if you think about it, a rites of passage could be a traveling adventure for six months. You go away, you change, there's transformation, there's all these things and, and you come back. What's typically not done very well is the return. Even yeah. if you go away to a retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go away to a retreat for a week. You have a transformation, but you get home and unless the return, the welcome back to your community is done well, Mm -hmm. it can kind of fragment things. And you either just disconnect from that community entirely, um, which can lead to a whole new cycle, which would, yeah. And well, you think about traveling, it's like travel blues is so common when people Mm. come back from a big trip away and it's because they're expected to be the same person. But, you know, when you go away for a big trip, it is so transformative Mm -hmm. to who you are as a person and... And yeah, you're right. Like it's that coming home to the community and being really acknowledged for that transformation you've experienced yeah. is like that's such a key point in yeah. being able to then step into these new identities for ourselves over and over. Yeah, big time. So within the transformation aspect, there's a few key points um, that are important for a rite of passage to be sort of complete or intentional or done mm-hmm. effectively. Um, so the first part of that is the sharing of stories. So the sharing of stories is always typically done in a rite of passage and the stories would be relevant to whatever the rite of passage is. Yeah. Um, so, for example, with, with pregnancy and birth, it's women and men going first, sharing their experiences, sharing their stories and yeah. then hearing even the history of birth yeah. and that sort of thing. Yep, yep. So learning the stories of, 
yeah, the, of birth, of what birth means, of mm-hmm. what birth means to our culture and all of these things. And um, this, again, if it's not intentional, might not really happen much, mm-hmm. you know, or if it does, the stories you're hearing are of... A really scary stories yeah. of... Yeah, of course. Yeah. So right. that's yeah. so that's um one really important part. Um the the second important part is like a challenge. They call it the challenge or the ordeal. Uh-huh. Um and that usually when you're curating a rite of passage, you'll normally focus the rite of passage around the challenge. I feel like pregnancy, like in birth, maybe you'd look at that as yeah, there's lots of challenging moments, but maybe it's transition or or these like this really like the peak of of the challenge kind I of thing. I guess with with becoming a mother, that would be the birth experience itself yeah. and pregnancy is leading up to that. Yeah. Within birth itself, that would probably it's be transition. Pro- and within pregnancy itself, it's I guess every single woman is going to have their own different it's unique different, challenges, 100%. right? Yeah. Yep. So challenge is a part of it. Um connecting with vision um yeah. is is a part of it. So being intentional if a rite of passage is to go from one phase of life to another it's like what vision do we have for that Mm. next phase of life so Mm -hmm. that's you individually as a mother me as a father us as a a couple a vision for our relationship so us as a family um it's interesting you say that as well because i remember having a really vivid um moment uh probably in the weeks leading up to birth where mm. i had this moment of like oh we're about to be reborn Mm who do we want to be reborn into and what do we want to take with us into this new way of Mm. being like through the portal and what do we want to leave behind on this side of Mm -hmm. the portal? And I remember just really reflecting deeply about that and it was quite pivotal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really, really important part of it. And then, so that was three. And then the fourth really important part of the transformation aspect is, um, and there's different ways of saying it, but acknowledgement of gifts or acknowledgement mm-hmm. of spirit or of or acknowledgement of strengths. And that's where yeah. the community, or it's not so much the community because you've kind of separated, but the, the community that you're navigating the rite of passage with. So maybe the inner circle, yeah. sort of the, when the boys go away with the men for the rite of passage, it's the men that are guiding that rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And it's an acknowledgement of the gifts, of the strengths that, you, that, are, that are seen in you because yeah. it's almost... Um, and what you can contribute to the community sort of when we go back. So in in the uh, realm of birth, that would essentially be your birth team, your birth partner. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. you have any close family and friends that have been like really present on that journey, it's yeah. like their ability to acknowledge the birthing mother and then the couple on their on yeah. their journey through pregnancy. And Yeah. Yeah. And we were really fortunate um, that our community kind of organized this without us even realizing it in terms of the... And because it was during COVID, I had to be on a Zoom call. Oh, we had a specific blessing way. Yeah, and yeah. I don't really know what to call the men's version of that. But yeah. we had um, our beautiful friends and family all come together on a Zoom call and acknowledge really acknowledge us yeah. each. Um, and our, our role was to simply receive it. And it was very special. Like mm. it was probably one of the most beautiful things ever. Yeah. Where normally I think... I initially had planned to do that like in person with a circle of women and, mm. and have a blessing way, which is a bit different to a baby shower. Cause when mm. you're looking at a baby shower, you're thinking baby gifts for baby. This yeah, is the yeah, welcoming yeah. of the baby. Whereas a blessing way is really to bless the mother mm. in her rite of passage through pregnancy and into becoming a mother. And, I don't really know the name for the one for fathers. I don't think the one for fathers is actually commonly done, but we did it because we just felt it was important as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're lucky that we're surrounded by people like um, yeah. Yeah, like Timmy. Yeah, he or, had organized that. Similar values, um, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was really important. So even though, and I had awareness around all of this stuff, but we didn't at the beginning of pregnancy or beginning of be like, okay, how can we set this up to be a rite of passage yeah. with all these things? But looking back, it had all of those elements, mm-hmm. even the return. Um, and that's something I feel like coming to the end of the fourth trimester now would be really powerful to do, which we haven't sort of spoken I about kind specifically. Of, I kind of a little bit want to do a postpartum party. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, just yeah, a yeah. celebration of friends to come together and just be like... And and, yeah. and that can be like the return to community. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be really powerful to round it out. So that's, yeah, a bit of an overview. And, and what's the importance then of like treating, because you know how you said the rite of passage is going to happen regardless. Yeah. Right. So for some people, this can be a really disempowering experience 
and for some people it can be a really empowering experience and what is the difference regarding treating the rite of passage in a certain way well i think the level of intentionality and the level if that's even a word the level of intention (laughs) um that goes into it and also um yeah the level of support especially for birth especially for the mother but for the father as well because part of a writer passage is um with the separation is creating what's called liminal space Mm. and liminal space is where you're actually in a different state Mm -hmm. so you're in a different brainwave and your brain becomes more plastic so Mm -hmm. more malleable open open to change more yeah and with birth and postpartum this happens in a massive way for women um julia who spoke at the becoming father event i'm pretty sure i don't want to quote her or misquote her (laughs) but she said for up to they've they've done studies up to a couple of years the women's brains actually different and more plastic more malleable so we're more open to obtaining new beliefs about ourselves about our baby about the world so if it's a really disempowering experience with a lack of support and the internal dialogue about ourselves isn't uh-huh. healthy, then that can get quite anchored in over yes. this over this time. Well, and it's, it's, cr- it's essentially what you're talking about is creating a whole new, new blueprint. Story. Yep, 100%. And when we talk about birth as a rebirth, it's literally taking us back into those a, that newborn yeah. state where we are completely open to yeah. the it's world. It's a really powerful time to, yeah, change those stories, uh-huh. upgrade the upgrade the blueprint um and it's not like it's setting in stone either like our brain is always able to change it's just um there are things we can do and there are different moments in life where it's more open to that especially when there's liminal space involved yeah yeah Uh so if you've had a um if you're listening to this and you've been through the birthing process and it wasn't an empowering experience for you it doesn't mean that's sort of set in stone yeah good. you can do work and you can create the space to heal um that mm-hmm. and and create a new story no matter where you're at but yes. i think it's important to note that um for people looking forward and and we're they're moving into pregnancy and birth mm-hmm. to keep that front of mind that if there was a time to put extra effort into this kind of stuff in your life if you're zooming out and being like okay cool i'm gonna dedicate this couple of years mm-hmm. this is the time this to do it time. because you're gonna get more bang for your buck in terms of how plastic and malleable your brain is yeah of course and it's just like so many little things are clicking into place within my mind right now regarding like you know if if most women have children at some stage in their life not all women Mm. it's not everyone's path but if most women having children at some stage in their life that Mm. means most women are being reborn Mm. at some point in their life and during this really malleable couple of years where essentially they can develop an entire new blueprint for how they then live their life postpartum and beyond um it just goes to show that like if the systems aren't set up to support women through this rite of passage in an empowering way we're essentially creating a whole you know a whole i don't know what the word is massive society of of women who are being reborn into a really um, fragile state and then having to go and look at, you know, different healing modalities or mm, it's, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I don't know the, the specific numbers around it, but I know the numbers around postnatal depression aren't crash hot, mm. you know, and, and this would be a big part of it if all of a sudden everybody treated birth like a rite of passage. If, and, if, and if like it this, had then the it reverence would, that it really yeah. needs and the respect and the education. And the community support. Like yeah. There's so much. That's a whole another... Quick shout out though to anyone in the birth space. Yeah, and straight up. Specifically our doula, Philippa yeah. Kelly. And our, our midwife. <laughs> and our midwife, Laura Lee. Mm-hmm. And um, all the doulas mm. that we know. And Gabs as so, well. We had a oh, we had a super team. We did have a super we, team. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah. But um, just real shout out to doing the work that you're doing because it's... So important. People who are willing to educate on the the most empowering way forward with for every single person mm. regarding birth and just yeah the like i'm following these beautiful doulas on social media mm. and just the education that's coming out yeah, it's just it's like so wow cool. like i never thought of that or mm. you know just really simple things that can make a huge difference in someone's experience so yeah. just shout out to you guys for doing the work that you're doing because it's mm. so so beautifully important in in today's world yeah 100% so let's um 
yeah, let's bring it back and, and go through and talk about... Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm here all week. So... Um, so let's bring it back and maybe start, we'll just break it up into the trimesters maybe, or Rafi's asleep and the sun's just moved. So it's smashing him in the face. I wonder if we can make a wall. No, we're not going to be able to. Move a chair. He's okay. He's okay. Okay. Yeah, he's all right. Um, (laughs) yeah, let's, let's just maybe go through trimester by trimester and, um, yeah, speak about how, how our experience was. Yeah. Maybe starting with when we found out uh-huh. and how that was for you. God. And if you haven't seen the, the if you guys video, want, video. I think I'm going to repost it on Instagram when it's like been a year since we found out. And we'll just put the out. link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. We could do that. We've got a YouTube video of us finding out when we fell pregnant. And mm. it was such a, a crazy, surreal moment. Because if you guys have listened to our first episode of Conscious Conception, you'll know that I have wanted to be a mom like forever. Mm. And so we, I guess the the days leading up to taking a pregnancy test, I really felt like my, my cycle was about to arrive and that my bleed was coming. And I was just like, oh no, you know, it, it didn't work. And I was just, I'd kind of set myself up to be disappointed and that was okay. Um, even though there are a few things over the, the two week wait that I'd noticed um, that were a little bit unusual for me, like I'd felt a little bit of tingling in my womb mm. and I felt a little bit like, a bit like a space cadet. Like I wasn't quite in present with my life. I felt, yeah, it was like all a bit foggy, mm. um, which wasn't normal for me. However, then, you know, I started getting my cycle symptoms. I'm like, oh, no, nah, it didn't work. All right, we'll have to try next month. So I set myself up to be disappointed. So the morning that we decided to test, um, I was due on my birthday and I was like, well, we're not testing on my birthday. You due, your my cycle was, yeah, was cycle due on my birthday. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, we're not going to test on that day because it's probably going to be negative and then I'll be sad. Mm. So let's test the day before my birthday. And so that morning we woke up and Tal had this huge deja vu. Moment. Yeah. I woke up and I was feeling weird. I had this like massive deja vu after I um, did my morning practice and I was like, I think we're on. I think we're on yeah. here, yeah. Whereas I was like, nah, Didn't this ain't going to happen. So I like literally stayed in bed for longer than normal. Usually I would have been up like <laughs> peeing on a stick like 4 a.m. probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we sat outside. I peed in a cup and took it out with me. And we sat out with our cups of tea all rugged up in a blanket in winter. And we dipped the test. We let it sit for three minutes. And we checked it and there were these two solid, solid two lines. And it was just this like absolute shock. Mm. Um, Like if you see my face, I've never seen my (laughs) eyes go so big ever. (laughs) And it was just this really weird moment of like, this is surreal. This is the moment that I've anticipated and dreamt of my entire life. And all of a sudden it's here right now in the present. And it was just so overwhelming to take in at the same time it was happening but at the same time it felt like it was a dream and Mm. like it wasn't even my life so Mm. that was such a crazy moment to experience and it was so cool to experience it together as well Um, i i still one day will will test without (laughs) you and get to surprise you but we so long cat was so off me (laughs) that i wanted to be there when we found out because she wanted to test and surprise me but i'm really stoked that we um got to do it together yeah so am i um, and so then from there, basically week five or six is when pregnancy started to feel like it was happening. Um, so basically what happened? You went away to Bali and, and the fatigue hit me. Mm. You went to support on uh, men's retreat with Timmy. And, um, sorry, I'm just patting my baby back to sleep. You can go to sleep, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Basically, the fatigue hit and that was really surprising to me because I knew I'd be tired, but I didn't know I would be exhausted. Yeah. And from my personal experience so far, that fatigue that hit in the first trimester was more intense than the fatigue that comes with postpartum and having a newborn baby for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, and so, yeah, the fatigue, but I wasn't really that sick, mm. thank God. Like I had yeah. nausea, nausea, yeah. nausea. How do you say it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
However, I wasn't throwing up. I threw up in the second trimester, not the first. Um, so I was feeling tired. I was in bed most of the time. Do you want to come up, buddy? Yeah, I'll grab him. Okay. Tal's going to get Rafi so that he can join us. He, he tends to join us on most podcasts now, I think. Is uh, parent life, mum life, dad life. Oh, he's so sweet. Um, if you're watching the YouTube, you get to have a peek of Rafi now. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So let's get back into it, shall we? So what I found for the first trimester is that the first trimester for me was shaking up all of like my base energy centers, right? And my friend Erica talks about this a lot as well, where, um, you know, the the chakra system down below, it's all to do with safety and self-worth and our ability to be here on the ground in our life. And all of that for me started getting shaken, 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 shaken up. And I felt really sad for yeah. a, a big chunk of the first trimester. And that was really confusing for me because I really felt like I was supposed to be super happy considering I'd wanted yeah. it forever. I really felt like I was going to be super connected to my little baby in my belly. And I felt like this weird disconnect. Mm. And um, I'd been in a lot of communication with spirit baby Rafi, right? Like his, his soul and spirit before we conceived. And right before we conceived, he went quiet and so there was this element of me like kind of missing that communication and, yep. and feeling like even though he was physically here, I almost felt less connected to him than when he was energetically around. Mm. Um, and that de- it, it was pregnancy-induced depression. I didn't even know that was a thing, mm. um, but I Googled it. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Google? Dr. Google. Um, and that pregnancy-induced depression had me basically in bed a lot. And it's weird because, you know, that first trimester, you feel a little bit lonely mm. in the sense of not everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone's there to support. Um, I'm really, really grateful, though, that we chose to tell our friends and family early. Yeah. Literally the same day. We, so funny. We, we were like, yeah, let's, like, fall pregnant, not tell anyone for, like, five months and make it this big surprise. And then the day we fell pregnant, we told his <laughs> yeah, mom. Yeah, because we were already <laughs> going around to see her and we're like, yep so pumped um yeah so i'm really grateful that we told people early on though Mm. because it made the first trimester a lot less lonely yeah it made me feel like i could ask for help or if for example i didn't have the energy to go and socialize and see friends it wasn't this weird thing all of a sudden it was like it's okay she's pregnant how can we help you know my friends would come over and they just help with little things like the dishes or <clears throat> they'd help clean or even um erica came and stayed for a week while you were away with leo yeah. and and was able to then help cook with me and mm. look after me kind of thing and it was just really really um helpful to have people know and i guess our mentality with that was you know even though it was really early days if something were to happen you know if worst case scenario and we were to like you know lo- lose a baby I would have wanted my friend's support during that time as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really important to us that we had the support, whether it was for celebration or not. Mm. Um, So yeah, we had people know early on and that really helped with the loneliness. But yeah, I definitely still felt a bit of a disconnect early Mm. on. Um, And I think even just like the energy levels being so clobbered would contribute to that. Um, And also what was interesting for you, because you're also so used to um, so openly sharing you're like creatively what yeah, with what yeah. what's what you're going through and what you're and so all of a sudden you weren't sharing that as much and what was most exciting or most present for you you weren't sharing that so i even noticed that um was something you had to navigate as well yeah it was definitely that definitely caused a bit of like fire within me like i felt almost angry um like even though we were choosing not to share on social media straight away i felt frustrated because i felt like the biggest thing in my life at that time that I was still trying to wrap my head around, I couldn't share with with the whole world. Which is almost like a form of processing for you to yeah. like connect in and share and then like yeah, like that my write, that's how you sort of... Emotional processing yeah, for me, I write yeah. and I share. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess the first trimester, it is this upheaval of identity, right? Because you don't necessarily look pregnant yet. <laughs> no. You kind of feel pregnant, but you don't really have solid proof other than a test that you're pregnant um and then you're 
and you, I mean, in very general society, are, are often still going about life as normal as possible, mm-hmm. even though the first trimester is calling you to slow down. Yeah. Calling the rest. You had no choice in that I matter. had no choice. So, <laughs> I'm really grateful that I was able to switch off as quickly mm. as I could and had to slow down. And I had to keep telling myself, like, even though I have um, an urge to create or do this or make this event or whatever there was nothing more important Mm -hmm. than sleeping that afternoon. There was nothing more important because I was growing a heart and I was growing little lungs and I was growing a little brain and a spinal cord and like all of these things that were going to create my child one day. There was nothing more important than giving that the nourishment and time it needed Mm. um, more than anything else. So that first trimester was definitely an upheaval and a shakeup of who I thought I was and also a really calling inward for me. It was a bit of a like dark night of the soul, a, a lot of self-reflection. That was probably the biggest ch- challenge if we're going back to the rite of passage yeah. framework, that the biggest challenge for you during pregnancy was probably that and you know six what? week I'm period. Gonna, I'm going to be bold enough to say that I feel like every single trimester holds a challenge. Yep. And like almost like each trimester is a mini rite of passage within the whole. Mm. Um, yeah, I mm. reckon. Um, I d- <laughs> what was the challenge of the second? Think? Well, we'll get there when we talk oh, about the second sorry, trimester. <laughs> I thought we were moving there. Well, we almost are, but I kind of want to talk about also how we we decided to do hypnobirthing in the first trimester. Oh, yeah, that was like, that early, wasn't we it? We were... Well, so I, <laughs> I was very keen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tully was keen, but I feel like we could have easily done it in the third trimester. But I was like, positive pregnancy test, well, let's go. Let's go yeah. to class. Well, it's just the timing of it. Like, straight away, there was the info session with Philly, and then it started really soon. So, we were like, yeah. well, this works. This works, yeah. So... We um, attended a five-week hypnobirthing class with our doula, Philly, who wasn't yet our doula at the time. Um, and Kelly on Instagram. Yeah, Philippa Find underscore her, Kelly. <laughs> um, and that was really awesome because every week, Tal and I would take three hours. We would go to this class, which was held at this beautiful cafe with like couches and a library. And it was just like so cozy. We would have tea and... We'd go through this three-hour hypnobirthing class where we would learn about the history of birth. We would hear stories of birth, right? So, mm. this is the start of the rite of passage here. We're hearing stories. We're watching birth videos. We're learning about the hormonal changes. We're learning about labor and birth itself. We're learning about hypnobirthing and being able to change our beliefs and mindsets around birth. And so, all of that, three hours a week, felt like we were dedicating three hours as a couple to our baby before we even looked pregnant. Mm. And that was something that I didn't expect because I kind of thought that, you know, the more pregnant we got, the more real it would seem. And it was really that I had a penny drop moment of like, whether I am three weeks pregnant or if I am 33 weeks pregnant, I am still just as pregnant. Like Mm -hmm. there isn't less pregnant and more pregnant. Once you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And so I had to hold the same like respect and the same um, excitement and the same commitment to my pregnancy early on as I did in the later stages mm. and that was really uh, beneficial I feel yeah for for both for me too for both of us and I think um learning about what was happening it's like even though you can't see it yet learning what was being formed and the brain's being formed yeah. or the heart starting to beat or that it's like whoa this is mm-hmm. it's almost like the beginning is the business end totally. <laughs> and so learning that it um and it was really good to have that time blocked in and to commit to those classes because it meant um, for me, because I kind of went into, all right, it's time to get shit done and, and really crank things up yeah. business-wise so there was no pressure on you during pregnancy or after. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that that three hours was then non-negotiable. Yeah. So in those early days, it was actually like, a, yeah, I was reading and doing other things a little bit. But I knew no matter what, if if that's all I did that week, that was okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And looking after you was the, the most important thing. And having that structure there allowed me to relax and be like, if I've got the time and energy, then I'm going to do more reading yeah. and all of that. But I knew no matter what, I was moving towards the position of being prepared. Yeah. And that, that gave a lot of freedom. And it totally made us feel like a team in, in yeah. it as well, right? Yeah. And then I also wanted to touch on regarding first trimester is the hormones, right? So... Shit's real. That shit's real. (laughs) The hormonal changes a woman goes through is, it's nuts. But also, I don't feel like it's by accident. Oh, obviously, no, like nothing's by accident. (laughs) But what I mean is 
those emotions that get brought up due to the hormones are real emotions. And I feel like as a general society, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the hormonal pregnant woman, the crazy pregnant woman, like, oh, that's just pregnancy. That's just your hormones. And it's kind of invalidated a little bit due to pregnancy. However, and this is just my personal belief, so take it or leave it, but I really genuinely believe that the reason why we have such hormonal surges and the reason why it pulls up all of our emotion as women while we're pregnant is because those emotions are there to be accepted, to be loved, to be seen, to be healed, to be felt fully. And it's a, a part of the shedding. It's a part of the release as a pregnant woman so that we can then complete the rite of passage effectively and move into this new identity and phase of life. Now, I, I know women who, who kind of dull down their own emotion during pregnancy and be like, oh, you know, I'm just being hormonal, don't worry about this. And, and, you know, if you look at a woman who's going through a monthly cycle, it's the same thing. There's that hormonal and emotional surge right before the period hits. And it's this shedding. It's this shedding so you let go of what you need to let go of so that you can move forward into the new month fresh. And so I really believe that the hormones during pregnancy are, are offering that purpose. And so that's how I saw it. And I didn't judge what I was feeling. I didn't ever feel like I shouldn't be feeling it. So even when I was feeling depressed and even when I was feeling really angry and frustrated, like right in those early days, I allowed myself to be that. And I was like, I don't need to be anything other than this right now. And and I did my best to not project it onto you, yeah, you and to make you wrong for anything. And and I had the awareness of this is my hormones, but it's still valid. Yeah. Um, and that, but it's not you. That you know? And that distinction is extremely important. Yeah. I think because it's... It's creating space for it to be fully felt without the projection. Yeah. Because I feel like if it's fully felt and then what I do with these emotions and if I'm, you know, if you were projecting all of that at at me, it would have been a very different Mm -hmm. ride. Do you know what I mean? So it was as as best as we could remembering to, you know, validate and, and hold space for it all to be felt without attaching to it. Yeah. Either. And and if you had a a day where you weren't as good at not projecting or whatever, it was really important for me to just acknowledge that, step back, allow the space for it, not attach, not take anything too personally. So it's like take it seriously but don't take it seriously was the balance, the (laughs) tightrope I was walking. Good luck, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a really, um, yeah, it's no easy feat. Like no. it, it's, it's, yeah. It's, well, I even, I even but, And it is a team effort though. It is a team effort. And so I decided I wanted to um, attend pregnancy yoga as well <laughs> at nine weeks pregnant. And it was really nice to attend pregnancy yoga because it was a group of women who were all pregnant and the yoga teacher, Katie, she was so lovely and so beautiful. And so it was a really nourishing environment. However, my hormones were like, full swing at that moment and so all of this emotion was coming up for me and I remember um having invested in these pregnancy classes and and Tal was pretty keen for me to go because I don't often do yoga and so it was kind of a bit of a surprise for us both that I wanted to all of a sudden I was like don't ask questions just book it just book it just go (laughs) and I remember feeling for some reason so embarrassed that I didn't want to go one week um I didn't want to tell Tali I didn't want to go so instead I got ready for yoga got my water bottle put my yoga pants on, got in the car, drove to Coles, <laughs> walked around Coles looking for food, almost crying because I couldn't choose what to eat. So I bought um, vegan sausage rolls that were frozen to take home with me for some reason. Um, I bought bananas and I bought myself a mango and I sat in the car and I cried and I peeled and ate my mango instead of going to <laughs> yoga. And I came home and you knew exactly what had gone down <laughs> straight away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically the hormones are real. <laughs> the emotions are real. And I, I believe that it requires us to reflect on them so that we can shed what needs to be shed, essentially. Hmm. Um but yeah, so that I feel like was the the crux of the first trimester for me was like this emotional roller coaster mixed with this excitement, mixed with this 
a slight confusion of this disconnect, which definitely faded towards the end of the first trimester. But mm. yeah, it was it was quite a lot to be honest. It was big. And I thought I was prepared as well. And that's yeah. another thing, right? Like you think you're prepared, yeah. but it's like Super Mario Kart, like we talked about in the first episode, where you can only access the next level when you're at the next level. When you're at the next level. You can't prepare for the next level because it only unlocks once you're there. Mm. Well, you can to an extent, but it's still never going to be complete. 100%. Like yeah. you, you can't fully, yeah. you can't go through the lessons mm. until you're at the lesson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was big. And I just remember, I think the biggest thing that uh, was a curveball was the flatness. Like uh, how like down you got. I wasn't. Ex- I thought you were just going to be, even if you'd be tired, I thought you were going to be stoked. And so that was a bit like, oh. There's definitely still that stokeness. Yeah, like there's yeah. There's definitely that inner fulfillment of like we're doing Yeah, but thing. that's what I mean, that de- depressive yeah. part you were talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, more that few weeks, that was the biggest like, oh. And that was when I... Um, yeah, it was just holding space, keeping yeah. busy doing my thing and taking the pressure off as much as possible. Yeah, totally. And then I guess we got to the second trimester. Yeah. And the second trimester, for me, kind of moved further up the chakra system and it kind of came into my solar plexus and my heart space. And so I definitely felt like now that I was looking pregnant, it was time to glow. It was like, here's the glow up type of thing. Um, I felt radiant. I felt magnetic. I was like, I am living my best life now. Even though that was the only trimester where I started throwing up, which was kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, We were weird. doing like a, a but talk. But you weren't sick often. No. Just a couple just of little really curveballs. Yeah. We were doing this talk at a festival on oh, yeah, relationship. And yeah. mid-talk, I like <laughs> ran out of the room, <laughs> threw up behind the shed, came back, continued the talk. With a what you, uh, yeah, bag of frozen. With a f- bag of frozen berries on my belly to cool me down. <laughs> Trooper. So um, good. So, yes. And it's so funny you didn't awesome. say it. You just bailed. And I was like, cool. Looks like I'm just going to... Continue this yeah, talk on my own. I'll take the intro, babe. It's all good. <laughs> oh, God. But, um, yeah. Second trimester was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. We did our baby moon in the second trimester as well. So oh, yeah. That's baby right. moon is designed to be essentially like the, the last holiday alone as a couple. Normally, is it done a bit closer to... Normally, it's done further Earth. along in the yeah, pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, we also, did it early. And also, traditionally, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like a whole moon, a whole month at home before birth. Yeah, so it's usually well, we did that, that like too. Last month. <laughs> well, we also did that due to COVID. But um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we decided to go on a family holiday to visit my family on the Cocos Islands. Mm. And that was really awesome and a really beautiful time for Tal and I to really connect properly together again as well. Mm, um, that was so good. Yeah. And so the, I guess the challenge of the second trimester, coming back to your question earlier, mm, yeah. is... Oh, is he going to talk? you going to say anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or are you just trying to fight? <laughs> Either one. Um, yeah, that second trimester was really... Um, feeling secure in what I believe to be true for us and for myself Mm. and the pregnancy. So what decisions were we choosing to make? What choices were we needing to decide on then and there? What boundaries was I needing to implement regarding like how much time I could actually give people or what experiences I was willing to have and how much time I actually needed to give us in our home life and preparing for this baby. Mm. Um, And then also just that hard expansion of, like oh my god we're gonna have a baby and that really landed and that depression and frustration lifted completely at that point and i was like i was in i was now bonding with the pregnancy and the baby aka little raffi and yeah so it was definitely sitting in those setting boundaries within more so within myself so less external boundaries and more like being real with myself and where i was at and what i needed yeah um and yeah, just really sitting in my heart mm. um, and and receiving love from others, from myself, mm. from you, from... I think also um, our intimate life kind of picked back up at that point because that was non-existent from probably seven weeks into mm. the pregnancy. Early days, it was we were on, but then as soon as that fatigue and flat yeah. spot hit, it was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the second trimester to me feels really quick as well. Like it, you know, you think it's a trimester, but that's the quickest one. Yeah. I don't yeah, know Yeah, yeah. Just because it's so light, you kind of just like... Float straight through in it. In it, yeah. Yeah. 
so then um, we got into the third trimester. So oh, about halfway through the second trimester, I, I looked to Tully. Oh, yeah. We had... um. <laughs> Defining moment. Just moved <laughs> house in order to conceive. We conceived about a month after we moved yeah, in, six so weeks. This time last year we conceived. What are we in now? Yeah, Ju- July. No, it's August. Yeah, like, okay, so we're like in a, month. a week and a yeah, half yeah. out. Sorry, <laughs> pedantic. <laughs> um, and so we just moved in order to conceive and I kind of felt like welcoming in motherhood made me very nostalgic and I was mm. wanting to recreate moments from my own childhood that felt safe and that felt reliable and that felt light. So I grew up part-time on a farm, um, a really beautiful hobby farm. So it was like gorgeous valleys and greenery and kangaroos and that sort of thing. And so we literally manifested a rental property that was exactly that. We looked across the road at these beautiful hills and kangaroos and so good. It, it reminded me so much of my childhood and going to feed the chickens in the morning and that sort of thing. Um, so that was really relaxing on my nervous system, which I felt kind of played a part in being able to fall pregnant quickly. Um, but so our intention was to raise that baby there, right? Yeah. To yeah. recreate. Like, this is it. This is it. This is amazing. And then... Halfway through the second trimester, I was like, so tall. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm like, hey, babe. Yeah, What I do know. you think about this? I know I'm about to be sold something. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, a few things. I can't really see us birthing in this house mm. for some weird reason. Like, I'm a very visual person. Everything needs to be visual in my head in order for it to, like, come into fruition. Yeah. And I could not see the birth pool set up. I could not see the birth team. Mm. I was just like, what the hell is going on? This is weird. Yeah. And um, we really love the house. There were a couple of practical things that ended up not working out for us regarding, naturally, we both Base, work online. Office, working from and home. Yeah. The, the Wi-Fi wasn't great. So, it was, like, hard to actually work there. Um so kind of planted that seed then and it came and into I the knew th- straight away yeah. as soon as as soon and you did it so subtly you were like you weren't you didn't suggest moving you didn't even bring anything of that up but you were just like i just can't see i can't see it and i was like oh fuck here we go we're gonna move house <laughs> before this baby comes and like literally since we've moved to this area We've moved like four or five times. Um, in the last three years. In the last three years. And this yeah. is like proper big it's moves. Big Pack up all your boxes. Probably one of our top five hobbies, actually. Top five hobbies. Move house. <laughs> Love it. So, kudos to you, babe. Mm. Um, God. So, halfway through the third trimester, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, I think we're moving. Shit, yeah, we're moving. We've got to yeah. find a rental before this baby's coming in. So, mm. I... I personally was born six weeks premature. So we kind of were on a bit of alert from mm. about the 35 week mark because we're like, mm, if I was could, born this early, our baby could be born this early. So we were kind of like, shit, we moved house and found a beautiful rental that we were happy with because like space and environment is super important mm. to us. Um, I think specifically because we're working from home and living from home. So it needs to kind of meet a lot of our needs. Mm. Um but 35 weeks pregnant, we moved with the thought that we were going to have a baby possibly the following week. Like we thought we were going to be early. Mm. And um, interestingly though, whenever we pulled cards for Rafi, like it was always like earth sun, earth baby. Like, so we knew he would have an earth sign, but at the same time we thought he was going to be early, which would, would have made him a fire sign in astrology. So we were a little bit like, oh, I don't know, kind of thing. But we moved house Um Big move, and then we settled in, and that's like we we probably spent two weeks nesting, and then COVID hit, and so then isolation hit in. So we didn't leave the house for months, really. Like yeah, you especially, I would go out. Tell would go out and, and stuff, do like a food shop, and then come back home, and we'd go for walks. And we're we, lucky we lived where we yeah, lived for that true. for we'd sure. Walk through the forest. Um, but other than that, it was definitely like a isolation. This real. Liminal space nice. bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every that separation. Morning, because yeah. we don't have any other children. <laughs> every yeah. morning we would spend time like meditating and really dropping in and visualizing our birth. And the third trimester, um, I think the challenge of the third trimester for a lot of people was that sur- is that surrender. Um, that was the biggest lesson or test I got. For for you. Yeah, just like don't know when it's going to come. Every day it's like this could be the day. Yeah. And it could not be the day. So, do we stop or do we keep doing that? Do we prepare? That was, do we not yeah, prepare? Yeah. Totally. I really appreciated also the slowness of that bubble as well. Mm. And I'm grateful for COVID because it allowed 
in in our reality, I'm grateful yep. for COVID within our experience because it allowed us to slow down and have no um, no obligation. Mm. We didn't see anybody. We we really could like really zone in on our pregnancy, and we were um, you know doing heaps of kinesiology. That's something else. We bought yeah, like ten yeah. kinesiology sessions for the whole pregnancy that was designed to help you know rewire awesome. um, belief systems and to clear karmic energy. Yeah, Mel was kind of part of our birth team too. Yeah, totally. In that respect, totally. So <laughs> shout out to our kinesiologist, but she um, really helped us clear away energetic stuff she would able to be tap into Rafi able to tap into Tull able to tap into me regarding our energy and our beliefs and our fears and our programming and to help re, re, rewire all of that and I feel mm-hmm. like that was a really pivotal part in our um, birth and Definitely why that really felt helpful. so good so we were doing kinesiology in the last trimester we were obviously setting up our home space our birth space we did a home birth so we had the pool set up we had like you know the fairy lights and the candles and everything mm. we were uh reading more not that we read a whole heap to be honest during the pregnancy like maybe one or two couple, t- books, a couple yeah. books um and then we were having our home midwife appointments so our home midwife and our doula would come around and do appointments there but other than that we really just like nooked in um every Mm. morning i'd sit on the veranda and do almost an hour long Mm. meditation and visualization and i would have these beautiful visions of rafi just head down all curled up in his little ball surrounded in white Mm. light and have all of his spirit guides surrounding him that seemed quite uh palladian and just really felt him like he's ready he's ready he's on his way he's coming and so every day it was like it could be today it could not be today yeah it could be today it could not be today i felt like we were hanging out with him already yeah, it you definitely felt like he was like, with us. What do we want to do today, the three of us? Um, and for a challenge, I I probably didn't really feel too much of a challenge in the third trimester. I think birth was the challenge yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I definitely had moments of impatience, but overall I felt quite patient. I felt mm. very relaxed. I'm like, no, I know he's just choosing his timing because literally the day to the minute when he is born determines like all of his charts <laughs> basically so, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like his astrology his numerology his human design all of this is determined on when he wants to be born so like i'm so a trust, trust him that he's going to be born when he wants to be born i don't want to rush this i don't want to induce labor or like we're happy um so he ended up we go went into labor just after 41 weeks um so we mm. were overdue um overdue yeah that was something that i what's this called quotation marks yeah yeah overdue and that's something um as soon as we even when we got to 40 weeks like people would be like oh you're overdue or um people seemed really concerned and i was so confused why people were concerned yeah and i think that was the good thing about um a learning that the average gestation for firstborns is 40 days and five 40 weeks and five days yeah. well, i think yeah, f- yeah um so and it's like every baby's like so different and so not um especially you know birthing at home just yeah being really relaxed around that and obviously if you get into 43 weeks then it's like okay this is something that um basically yeah it's it's very different but our pregnancy and birth it's not robotic yeah so we we think it's going to be like all set on these timelines and it was like actually it's mother nature like trees don't grow on a timeline and, mm. you know, flowers don't bloom on a specific timeline. Like, you know, all of these things and it's the exact oh. same with pregnancy and birth. Hey, Bubba. He's getting a bit restless. It might be time to wrap up, wrap up in a second, I think. He's like, give me the boobs. Yeah, he's looking at them. It's all right, mate. We'll wrap up. <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything you wanted to, to finish up with um, in terms of pregnancy? I feel. I guess... The intention of this podcast was to just share a bit more of our journey. Mm. But also I wanted to point to the emotional and spiritual evolution because birth, um, there is, sorry, pregnancy, there is an actual word for it. It's called matrescence, is this transition from maiden to mother. Mm. And you can go and Google matrescence. There isn't heaps of information out there, but it is a thing. And it's this spiritual evolution, but also a hormonal and brain changes and physical evolution of a woman as she transforms from this maiden archetype of this young woman who, like, there's a lot more um, desire and um, 
that real like free spiritedness, which I feel like all women can hold regardless of where they're at in life and whether they've had kids or not. But it's a specific maiden energy. And it's transitioning from being in that most of the time to then being in the mother energy most of the time. Mm. And that transition can be quite challenging for a lot of women and Mm. it can also be really easy for a lot of women. And so just bringing light to the spectrum and and I guess how we dealt with that um, transition from maiden to mother and patrescence with a P is also that the father of going from boy uh, or boy to man, boy to father energy as well. And, um, you know, men have hormonal changes and shifts and brain changes as well, which is amazing because you think it's just mostly the woman, but actually the, the father's going through a lot as well. Yeah. And I think um, the last thing that's beautiful, babe, and the, the last thing I'll wrap up with is that. And the thing is with pregnancy, the cues for all of those changes within yeah. a woman are... Um, they're within your body. It's like those those stimuluses, those changes are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with men, the cues to trigger those changes are environmental. Yeah. So present time with bubs and all of that. So what was really helpful for me during the pregnancy was kind of treating like fatherhood starts from day one of pre- – well, you know, it starts a bit before and whenever well, you start. when we started making decisions – that parents would have to make, even though that was in our conscious conception mm. and beyond. But when you start making decisions as a parent for that phase of your life, I feel like that's your beginning of the journey. Yeah. And I think um, that was really empowering part of it all um, because mm. learning and then The Secret Life of the Unborn Child is a really great book, like learning what's developing, learning how my interactions with cat, my interactions yeah. with baby, speaking to baby, all of these things have an impact. Um, and how safe we feel within our relationship. Yeah. Also, it yeah. makes a huge impact on the baby. And yeah, go read the book, The Secret Life of the Unborn yeah, Child. Yeah, can recommend. Um, really, really good book. And also The Continuum Concepts, a great book as well. Mm. Um, also, let's yeah, let's talk book recommendations for two seconds. Uh, the fourth trimester, and we'll book. we'll leave a list in the show notes. Oh yeah, great idea. That's going to be the cool, simplest cool, cool, thing. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it is time to wrap up. All right. Um, on that note, Raffi's having a little yeah, feed. Yeah, Raffi's feeding. But so next next episode, we're going into Tully's Tully's version of the birth story because mm. I've already shared my version of the birth story on Australian birth stories, um, and I really feel like it's powerful to hear. The process of birth itself from the father's point of view. And it's something that I didn't hear much of. And you didn't really hear much of. Unless we were talking to friends. Like there wasn't like there was seek it out. a podcast yeah. episode much talking about it. So that's our next episode. And then after that we're really delving into postpartum. And how we created for ourselves the most powerful, nourishing, relaxed enjoyable postpartum experience possible for us yeah Um, it's been awesome yeah which which i think sets sets up um i guess life as parents to to an extent as well right Mm. but guys thank you so much for listening guys or watching and watching on on youtube but um yeah this was just like a conversation for tell and i to to share with you guys so thank you very much and and as always if you've got any questions um yeah far away you can find us on the socials or you can email us um but yeah hope you're well and uh we'll chat to you soon have a wonderful day see ya